1: high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to talk to a multifaceted leader in the data science space. He's also a senior contributor to Forbes. So let's welcome our guest. Welcome, Fabricio. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast.
0: My pleasure, and uh, uh, nice to be here. Thank you for the, the invite. Now it's brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself,
1: Fabricio. What do you do and who do you work for?
0: Well, I came from academia. I did a PhD um, in molecular biology. And then I became a serial entrepreneur. I worked for uh, some tech companies. And now I'm working uh, as a consultant. Uh, so I, I do consultancy for tech, biotech and pharma slash life sciences companies right now, so yeah.
1: Wow, and so in terms of your kind of journey to to becoming a tech leader, tell us a little bit about that. How do you end up in this space doing what you do?
0: It's a nice question because I came from a different background. Uh, I'm a bachelor's in uh, biochemistry and immunology, so life sciences. But during my uh, timeline as a professional, I, became involved in several projects that had IT, either IT or software development. Uh, let me give you an example. The company that I was a co-founder was a healthcare IT company. Right. So I was the CEO of the company um, in addition to be a co-founder and I needed to uh, learn a lot about uh, information technology, Uh, Data science, big data analytics, uh, bioinformatics, everything that is uh, related to uh, what a technology person needs to know uh, right now. So that's how I became more involved with IT. After that, I worked for a, a very confidential project from Apple Incorporation. Yeah. Uh, developing apps for specific uh, problems in developing countries. So I got more involved with uh, information technology after that. that. That's how my transition um, happened.
1: Hmm. I think
0: I, I, I got a little frustrated with the academic life because things are very slow right. to be translated into the, the, from the bench to the bad side. And then yeah. that's how I became an interp- a serial entrepreneur. And that, that's how I got into this IT space, per se. Wow,
1: that's a, that's a pretty big journey. So, so in terms of um, uh, d- developing these apps, and you mentioned that they were developed uh, in kind of uh, other countries. I mean, what, what kind of countries were they?
0: Well, Apple has... Um a program that is called uh, Apple Developers International Training Program. Program. Yeah. They uh, build sites in developing countries. Um, since I came from Brazil and I speak Portuguese, uh, they selected me to be the head in Brazil uh, to build the sites, to hire the people in the beginning, 2014, 2015, right. when they started so brazil in south america now has 10 sites uh, in which they have around 100 students that are trained to code ios around a problem as a solution right uh, other countries that have this uh, apple developers international training program include india some countries in south africa uh, mainly developed. In countries or countries that are poor because the idea behind this uh, specific program that Apple has is to uh, one, grow the iOS community in those countries. Let me give an example. So in Brazil, for example, 80 plus percent of the market share is Android, right? Mm. Uh, smartphones and devices that run Android or other um Operating uh, operating systems like OS, uh, and the idea is was to grow the the iOS, uh, well the the Apple market share the, in those countries. How to do that is uh, try to build apps that are applicable to those countries. For mm. example, sometimes one app that is well used in the US or in Europe or in any other country, is not well downloaded or used in Brazil. So the idea was to try to find problems, especially social problems, that were important for those specific countries, in this case, Brazil for me, and uh, work with a group of very smart students in universities where the sites were built and try to build solutions for those uh, problems, right? As an
1: application, as an app, so that was the idea. Mm, that sounds pretty good. I, I love the idea of uh, creating kind of local applications and understanding the local market. Um, so, so coming on to the the work that you do, then, uh, Fabricio, uh, you, you kind of work for um, a, a a particular consultancy called BioTuring. Yeah. What, what kind of what kind of things you do there then?
0: Well, BioTuring was a very interesting story. A friend of mine worked as a VP of sales there and uh, is a small uh, startup, small to mid sized startup. And they came up with a very smart idea for uh, it's a B2B uh, like business. So they say, it's a software as a service. They sell, uh, I would say, they sell. Pharma and life sciences companies, the big ones, I'm talking like the big league ones, Johnson & Johnson, Merck, uh, BMS, Ellie um, Lilly, AstraZeneca, all of those that are uh, running to do the coronavirus vaccine, right. they, they, they get public uh, scientific publications with a, a lot of data analytics from uh, single-cell sequencing, transcriptomics, uh, genomics, mostly transcriptomics, very molecular biology focused. And yep. they uh, have a very nice data visualization software that they sell, they use as a license with a license fee for those uh, big pharmaceutical companies, even mid-sized and startups. They have uh, smaller prices for those. So mm. my my uh, specific um job is to work with the the business development and the business intelligence people as a technical and scientific support uh, leader, listening to the customer in the meetings, getting specific features that they want in this software, in the data visualization software that they can play with and uh, find like, for example, drugs, a specific drug biomarkers for oncology, for cancer, or for uh, other diseases like uh, complex diseases like uh, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, and other diseases, and um, try to identify what the customers want and help the sales the the, the sales team to to sell um, the product. So it's a software as a service. So they have licensing um, and they. They can use it or even analyze the data that they they uh, develop in-house, like a lot of data. I'm talking mm. like thousands of da- data points and then use the software that is being built so they can visualize the data points. Wow, yeah. Identify, yeah, and identify uh, biomarkers for... For specific diseases, like I, I told you, cancer, for example, or even uh, drug targets like specific proteins or specific uh, groups of uh, proteins that could be interesting t- targets for drug development. Wow, so that, that's something that I'm doing right now. One that's, of the things.
1: Yeah, one of the things. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed about you, Fabricia. You, you have many, um, you have many things kind of uh, up in the air. You know, you say you seem to be um, quite a, quite a player in this kind of field.
0: Well, yeah, I learned by doing uh, and I I did a lot of courses, uh, several from Harvard, several from uh, other uh, important universities, like uh, mostly online courses. And I try to learn uh, by doing those things. So when I'm working, I try to learn on the go. So Hmm. that's how I get, uh, I I try to wear several hats. Yeah. Yeah. which, which is good and bad? because uh, like I told you uh, in the first conversation that we had, sometimes it's, it's nice because you have you are very special, uh, you are specialized in, in a specific field, but you get a generalized view of several things. Yes, good for you as a professional and as a person. But when you try to, uh, for example, if I try to find a job right now, That is a very specific uh, job with a specific uh, description, uh, like a box, right? I can't fit in the box anymore because Mm. um, I have this generalized view that sometimes it's a problem for specific job descriptions, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. So so in terms of visualizing this data, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of visualizing uh, as much as you can, because as human beings, we we tend to kind of, uh, we have huge kind of centers of our brain uh, dedicated to this stuff. So in terms of visualizing the data, I mean, um, obviously you're talking about kind of huge data sets here. I, I mean, is, is there a kind of light like on the future, the ability to kind of see this stuff real time happening?
0: I think so let me give you an example for bioturing uh they al- already have uh 10 million data data points uh, wow. that each one represent uh, a single cell so let's say uh, a group did a scientific research and and it's public they published in a big uh, a top journal a top scientific journal like nature cell science so they they analyzed um uh, 500,000 cells, single cells, and they have uh, each protein or each gene that is transcribed in each of those uh, cells. You can see um, it's a lot of data points in one single screen, but you can ha- they, they, they developed the tools that you can select specific cell types. They can identify the cell types based on the uh, gene expression of the cells. Right. Uh, it's not real time, but it's it's a way of, you can do several time points and then see how the thing evolves. We mm. are not there yet, but I think in, at some point we will be able to see things in real time. Yes. Wow.
1: That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, um, the sophistication of being able to see see that many data points moving um and, and and in real time as well um so it's kind of maybe you've kind of already answered the question you know so what's your kind of uh passion uh, in, in this kind of technology space what, what's the thing that you that really kind of um i don't know g- gets you excited and gets you out of bed in the morning to to get to work
0: well i think the the most interesting uh, thing right now that is getting me excited is this deluge deluge of information and data that is uh, coming out in in several sectors right now, not just in life sciences or uh, social media or uh, logistics, anything that you you look right now. Interestingly, I was uh, reading a book the other day and I didn't know about that, but the car insurance companies in the U.S. they already have a way. Um, they 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 have a uh, like a hardware device that they put, they put in the cars, and they can collect real data um, when the person is driving the car. That they the data is collected and as and inputted in in in. Uh, pipelines of data analytics so they can grab information about that specific drive and say, well, that's a dangerous driver. Well, this person drives well, Uh, depending on the things that the person is doing when driving. I don't know how, but they can uh, uh, get an information about, they can classify if the person is a good driver, uh, more or less, probably they have several classifications, but that's a way of uh, grabbing information in real time and then placing the price of in the insurance based on the, the person being a dangerous driver or not. So yes. that's one example of data uh, helping some uh, sectors, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, in this case, car insurance. But I see this happening in healthcare like the COVID-19 vaccine data data was collected in one year, things that uh, for a vaccine that would take eight, 10 years to be developed, uh, they they did in one year, like several vaccines are, are in the market right now and things were very fast because of the data sharing, the data visualization, oh, wow. all that we have right now. So I'm very passionate about data science and big data analytics. Yes. I'm not an expert, but um, I'm a fanatic. I'm, I, like to, I like to read about those things. I like to learn about those things. I try to um, learn on the go. I try to be involved in several projects that, that have uh, things like that, either in life sciences or, or, or technology. Uh, so I think that's what uh, gets me excited right now.
1: Yeah, I love it. I I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of your, uh, you know, being a kind of tech leader, you, what's your kind of leadership style? What, how would you describe yourself as a leader?
0: Um, my leadership style is uh, it's a, it's a very, uh, I would say, I look at myself not as a boss. Sometimes when I'm lead, leading teams. Uh, And uh, if you talk to people that work with me at Apple or at the the company that I co-founded in several places, I like to be a very uh, open-minded leader. I try to listen to the other people in the team. I'm a very flexible person. I'm not always right. But sometimes people that name themselves bosses... And they, they they think they know everything. I know that I don't know everything. So if, if I'm leading a team, I try to be uh, listening to everybody, everybody's ideas in a very um, nice environment so I can give opportunity to several people to give the ideas. And I, I try to lead in a way that I'm not a micromanager, which yeah. is very I had bosses that were micromanagers, so I don't like it. So I tried to, of course, you have to lead, you have to um, have meetings, you have to have deadlines, you have to uh, talk to people and say, well, you have to do this, this is not working well, but you can be a nice uh, person uh, as a leader. So my leadership style is a very, uh, I think uh, I like to work in a, very calm and safe environment. Even though the deadlines are are there, mm. and you have to deliver sometimes, but I think there are several ways to be uh, leading a project or be a project manage- manager. Sometimes, uh, several uh, ways to be a nice person and not a, a boss that everybody gets. Uh, I would say nervous when you get in the room you know so you, you're not you're you're a person like everybody else so that's that's my point
1: yeah I love it that's good that's, uh, that's my kind of boss I'd like you to be my boss Fabricio yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of
0: like that <laughs> you, you have you have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes so yes. if I was this person that I'm leading would, would I like to, Uh, a boss that is a micromanager that is uh, annoying, that is uh, on my neck all the time asking me if I'm doing this specific uh, job all the time, no Uh, Mm -hmm. so we have the meetings, everybody has a to-do list and then when we meet again, I talk to those people I don't get uh, in the way uh, Mm -hmm. uh, something like that
1: yes, I like it so, so, in terms of, um, you know, you spoke about what's worked. So, as this is the kind of CTO confessions, I mean, what stuff hasn't worked for you? What, what part of your leadership would you say is, uh, in your experience, something to avoid?
0: Um, well, things that probably every leader, not just in technology, in any project that you are managing or anything that you are trying to build, a solution, a product, or like a in civil, civil engineering like a building or something like that it's if you are leading a team and there are like some some uh trouble in terms of fights between uh, people mm. or somebody that is not delivering well uh it's behind uh related to the team i'm 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 Reading a lot about uh, project management uh, from the PMI, the Project Management Institute, and Scrum, Agile. I I use a lot of Slack to uh, monitor and to exchange information with teams. So sometimes uh, one person doesn't align with the other, they have problems, so I have to sit down with those guys or those people... And uh, try to fix the problem, and uh, wh- when there is no fixing, uh, unfortunately, or somebody is not delivering well, uh, sometimes you have either to fire somebody or to reallocate to another sector. So yeah, I think it happens a lot, mate.
1: Yes. Okay, that's great. I've got a note here actually. It's something that you mentioned. It uh, presenting some findings to Obama. What, what, what was that about?
0: Well, uh, in two. Well. The company that I co-founded with uh, somebody, some some other person, uh, was a healthcare IT company. the The objective was to accelerate the diagnosis of uh, patients with red genetic diseases. Just to give you like a, a background, uh, in the past and even right now, it, it's tough to diagnose a person that has uh, red genetic disease. Mm-hmm. So the doctors would take like almost a decade to, to do a correct diagnosis. And right. those patients would come and go from specific uh, medical doctors like nephrologists or uh, different specialities. That, uh, that, that's something that is very important right now. Uh, 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 um, a multi, um, an integrated uh, way that uh, the the. the the healthcare system is working; that the nephrologists can talk to the oncologists, that they can exchange information with the neurologists. So when you when you have all of the signs and symptoms combined, and our solution was providing this to the pharma companies as a B2B, you can diagnose, accelerate the diagnosis of those patients with rare genetic diseases. So something that would take a decade, we accelerated with our solution to six months, uh, three months. So they were buying that and uh, we got a lot of uh, exposure. We got inv- uh, accelerated by uh, a startup accelerator called a Startup Health Academy based in New York. And uh, we had the opportunity uh, together with other 49 companies, startups, to go to the White House and to the Congress in 2014, when Obama and Joe Biden, now the president, was the vice president, Mm -hmm. uh, to present to uh, Congress members and to... uh, Biden was there, Obama was traveling, but we had the opportunity to visit the White House, not as uh, guests, like like, uh, people that go and see a specific part of the White House, but to see... The parts that they have meetings, etc. Mm. So each of those companies that went there, and, and I myself was the CEO of Data General, this company that I was a co-founder, had the opportunity to do a pitch about our solutions mm. and to talk to Congress members about the Affordable Care Act that after Obama, um, it didn't go forward in the, the Obamacare. How yeah. our solutions could... Being uh, aligned to to those things that they were doing at that time, so it was a very interesting and very noble uh, thing to to uh, be in the White House. I was very uh, humbled by this experience, and and um, I liked it. So I think it was a very interesting thing uh, in my professional life.
1: Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Wow. I mean, that must have been an experience. Um, So in terms of uh, uh, you as a leader, coming back to your kind of tech leadership, um, I I imagine you've uh, led uh, teams um, developing software. Is that something that you still do now?
0: Yes. Uh, Well, for example, this company that I do consultancy, um, the teams are all over the world. We have people in uh, Singapore, Philippines, Vietnam, uh, Asia in general. Uh, some people in Europe. Uh, we have meetings with uh, customers all over the world. I, well, I have I can't tell exactly who they are, but we have, especially now with the COVID-19 uh, lockdowns and and things that are happening, we are doing a lot of remote work. But that's not. Uh, something new for me. So more, more than a decade right now, I'm doing a lot of remote uh, work with the technologies that are available. But I think the 2020, last year, we uh, got, like I, I told you guys, we remote work came to stay as a tool. Um, and people that didn't know how to do that have to learn right now on the go. Mm-hmm. are forced to, to learn how to work. Uh, it's not easy because you are not face-to-face with the team, but there are several software, several applications that you can use to um, lead teams uh, remotely, even if somebody is in China or Singapore and the other person is in, um, let's say, uh, England and the mm-hmm. other person is in the U.S., you have Slack, you have Kanban Flow uh, as a project management tools. So you can use those uh, in real time. I think those are good, uh, good uh, examples of uh, interesting tools to be used. So
1: Yeah, fantastic. And in terms of um, your kind of engineering and technology, uh, I mean, what kind of tools do you use uh, in your data? Do you use AI, ML, and uh, machine learning?
0: Yes, uh, I can give you some examples Uh, well in the the company that I co-founded in the end the data curation in in the beginning because we started in 2010 2011 was done uh, not by hand but was done manually and then in the in the end when we sold the company things were more uh, automatic with some pipelines using machine learning I would say AI in the beginning, uh, deep learning, uh, natural language pro- programming or processing, NLP, mm. like getting information from public data, like words and, and, and incorporation, incorporating in, this, in the solution. Um, at the, the project in, at Apple, we developed several uh, apps, several solutions that were using machine learning tools uh, specific pipelines that we've built, the teams that I was I was leading, they built the tools, uh, they built the pipelines using specific tools that were available. So okay. today you have, um, I don't know if I can tell the names, but several tech companies that offer you tools in AI, uh, like the cloud tools that you have to, to place information on the cloud. So you can uh, grab those and, and uh, do a pipeline that is, applicable to whatever you want to do, right? Hmm. So um, the only problem, and I think I I wrote this here, one issue that I came across is that there there is no standardization. There is no standard tools or pipelines for specific things. So everybody's building their own. There is no standardization uh, for the, the, the ML and AI, which is normal for IT. But I think uh, some specific things in AI, they in the long run they will have to be standardized somehow. Yes.
1: Yes. And and how do you think that's going to come about?
0: Well, I see now that the CIOs, the chief information officers, the CTOs of the companies, they have like meetings sometimes. They have like specific. um, LinkedIn is a good place to to get into the forums and the. They have like groups. So they are trying to figure out like, I wouldn't say like Elon Musk uh, always say that machines are going to take over the world, (laughs) but I think AI is going to become more and more uh, in our lives uh, than we can see. For example, I I think I can say Facebook uh, uh, and, and the companies that they bought, Instagram and, and WhatsApp, they use AI tools for a long time and nobody knows, right? Mm. They're building our our avatars with the information that we provided provide online. So they are ahead like uh, 20 years from now.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, like SpaceX from Elon Musk, Amazon from Jeff Bezos. Yeah. They use AI tools for a long time since the, the AI... Uh, things that were developed like pipeline specific uh softwares in the beginning so uh, AI is part of our of our lives right now but I don't think uh, AI is gonna take over the world like the, yeah. the robots are gonna take terminators over. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but we, we have to standardize some things so we can uh we we can deal with uh, things that go wrong because technology sometimes is used for the good and for the bad like anything else so I think at some point and I see a movement of people already like leaders in those things um, getting to forums, conferences not right now because of the pandemic uh, but online I see a lot of people like trying to, to discuss how can we Provide like a guideline or two guideline of tools to use AI or to incorporate AI into whatever you are doing.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this this kind of industry evolves and uh, starts to get real kind of use. I, mean, I like the idea of the standardization so that people can stop worrying about you know um, develop some kind of patterns and interfaces rather than having to reinvent that every every time. You know um, and so, so in terms of tech, as a tech leader, Fabricio, what kind of things keep you up at night? What, what do you worry about or would wish was different?
0: Um, I, would, I would say that the two things that I deal all the time, there are complicators. There are things that are complicated to deal with. And in, not just in technology, but I think in any project management that you are leading, I, it's one, dealing with people. Mm. Yeah, and the second thing is communication.
1: Yes, <laughs> if yes. you
0: don't have a good communication with the teams, so the things are not gonna flow well. Yes, so well, people because people have different personalities. Some be- some people are more egocentric. Some people are more um, humble. Some people. Um, yeah, personalities uh, are complicated sometimes. Yeah. So you have to deal with different personalities. Some people have problems at home yes. that can influence the, the, I would say, the, the professional life and, and the things that they are doing. So you have to be careful with, uh, you have to deal better with people because people are important uh, because all of the tools that we have right now they somehow were built by people, right? Mm. Uh, And communication is another issue that I see. Lack of communication is a big problem, especially in the big big corporations. Mm. Some of them have ways of doing, uh, leading with that. Let me give you an example. Apple works with uh, small cells of uh, a maximum number of people. Otherwise, they can't be able to communicate well. Yes. So they they can't have let's say more than a hundred people in a team,
1: mm-hmm. like in a
0: department. Otherwise, it became it becomes impossible to communicate, right? For yeah. companies that have like a hundred thousand workers all over the world, uh, that's important to take into account, right? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think uh, those are the the things that are problems. Um, that, um, especially people in general, because people will be always uh, people, right? Mm. So you have to deal with uh, different uh, egocentric people, humble people, people that are very um, insecure, people that know things but don't speak. So you have to be able to deal with those things.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh... Yeah, I think I agree with you. Communication is a common thread that we hear from uh, all all kind of sectors of uh, business, um, and it's so. In terms of getting that right, what would be your uh, your tip around that then? Getting communication right.
0: Well, I think that the, the Apple way of doing things, and Amazon does that really well too. They 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 they, they build small teams like cells yeah. that they have. Uh, like tools that they use one of the tools that i can speak about that i use a lot is slack it's a real time you can have lots of people you can communicate there are several channels that you can talk in real time the person can be in china singapore italy um you name it like uh, uh, england anywhere that you can communicate uh but then you you get stressed because um you get notifications all the time. That, that's another problem because you have to be able to disconnect sometimes. Mm-hmm. We can do a, a whole podcast about <laughs> how people are getting stressed with all of those notifications in the smartphones.
1: Yes, uh, that's
0: right. But one of the tools that are good is uh, Kanban Flow, uh, Slack, that people from project, uh, PMs, like project managers and leaders, they use to uh, lead teams in a way that uh the communication don't get lost in translation sometimes uh but it's a lot of um it's stressful sometimes
1: yeah. yes I, I agree yes i i i just out of interest um i've uh, di- uh, removed all my notifications from my phone in fact it sits in uh night mode most of the time just to kind of cut down on the distractions but uh yeah it's definitely communication is definitely a a core to, well, as as human beings, you know, relationships, communication is what kind of brings about uh, real success in in groups. Um,
0: Yeah. One thing that I've done, uh, TC, is I've, I chose, uh, well, Sunday is a good day. Sometimes I I do a different day. Uh, I choose a day of the week that is more calm and I, I disconnect from everything. Yes. Smartphone, tablet, uh, whatever I can check my email or see notifications I'm, uh, it's off so that day I take to myself, my family, the things that I have to do uh, and then I disconnect completely and it was really tough to do that because you get really um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, it's a vicious cycle you get really uh, anxious because you, you are dealing with those things all the time so one day a week, seven days in the week, one day I take uh, and disconnect everything.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. I'm going to take that tip from you, Fabricio. I'm going to uh, have some time out from uh, from the digital world.
0: You're going to get like angry emails <laughs> and uh, WhatsApp messages saying, oh, I sent you this message or this email yesterday. I didn't get a reply because people in general, they, they think you... As soon as they send you a message or an email, you're going to reply right away. Yeah. Right. If you take 12 hours or I don't know, 20 hours to reply, they already get scared or they get like confused. Yeah. So that's something that happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, coming on to another fun section of our um, CTO Confessions, which I like to do, which is what books do you love and would recommend to other tech leaders out there?
0: It's funny to, that you asked, uh, last year, I think I, well, with the, the audio books right now, it's much better to listen, right? Mm. Uh, you don't need to be reading all the time. So last year, I think I read between uh, like uh, paper books, uh, like digital books and audio books, more than 150 books, right? Wow. And uh, you asked me here to give some recommendations. I think one of the guys that I really liked, he's a tech leader. He is one of the person that started the whole Silicon Valley movement is Jaron Lanier. I don't know if you heard about him. The books that he wrote are awesome. One of them that I read last year is called 10 Arguments to Deleting Your Social Media. (laughs) So he's the guy that started this whole mov- movement of social media, and now he's telling people to disconnect, which wow. is interesting. And the, the the way he tells the story is it, it's very convincing. Why, right? Right. So I think this book is very interesting. If people is uh, is very, uh, it's kind of depressed or it's very. Uh, um, how can I say it's using a lot of social media, read this book that you're going to be able to kind of disconnect a little bit. Yes. Not, not disconnect uh, like uh, at all, but disconnect a little bit. Yes. Uh, the other books that I can recommend, um, I, I really like Simon Sinek. Uh, I don't know if uh, you, yes. you you know. oh, Yes, I've seen his uh, you Yeah, um, yeah. You I I I've, I've read like um I think all of his books uh, start start with why is one of them. Uh, the, his TED talk is is like one of the most viewed TED talk. Yeah. Uh he talks about why how and 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 uh, like uh, the companies the way the companies work. Simon Sinek is a very good uh, author and mm. um uh, I I follow him in social media, in Twitter, in in LinkedIn. I have him. So, the other one is curious by uh, I am Leslie um, that I've really liked. Mm. Uh, that's the short uh, title. I think there is more, but the, the, if you if you look for the the the, the author, I am Leslie L E S L I E. Yeah, you're gonna find it. And the other one that. That I like is 2030 by uh, Mauro Gillian. Uh, right. G-U-I-L-L-E-N. So those are my uh, my suggestions based on what I've heard, uh, I've read last year.
1: Brilliant. I I'll, I think I'm going to add uh, I definitely like the idea of the kind of social media one so that's one kind of being added to my list so the uh, the Simon Sinek ones I've read which are quite interesting so yeah thank you for sharing that hopefully the uh, tech uh, audience out there tech leadership audience out there will will uh, enjoy adding them to their kind of book mountain list uh, as I will be yeah. um, and, and in terms of I'm going to pretend to be the tech genie for a second okay
0: I'm going to grant you a wish if I could grant you a wish what would you wish for I would wish that uh, COVID-19 that uh, disappears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the first wish. Well, uh, in technology, uh, well, one thing that is really interesting, uh, TC, is that um, we, we didn't see that happening. But since I have this science versus technology, I'm not navigating both sides. And I've read a lot of articles about the, the vaccines that were developed by, for COVID-19, all of that people don't really know how much technology and data science and big data analytics was used to to test and to to develop those vaccines. So Mm. I think we already are in a stage, well, the pandemic was horrible, uh, was very badly um, in terms of logistics, in terms of controlling it. Mm. Few countries were able to do a good job, right? The US, the U.S. was horrible, uh, the, Europe in general, they did a terrible job, yeah. but I think was a learning thing. Um, so I think uh, in terms of technology in general, I would, um, I would think that AI is going to be more and more present in our lives. But I would wish for this uh, gen- genie that you were saying <laughs> that AI uh, could make our lives better and not worse. Yeah. In several aspects. And the tech companies that are using our information uh, for free to get tons of money could, like, uh, if you read uh, the book by Jaron Lanier, he has some, some interesting points that he says, well, maybe Facebook could give us a piece of the money that they are getting. So if you share your information with them, you get a piece of money from them, right? Yeah. I think that's a good deal for everybody because it's a win-lose right now. I'm, I'm just giving this example. So I think companies dealing with uh, high-level technology, especially AI, uh, from the future, is going to be much more um, people, how can I say much more related to uh, providing people with uh, with a better life in ever every, every aspects like e-commerce healthcare care everything uh, that's very new topic but that's how I, I see the future I think yeah. that's uh, some wish that I would have
1: Brilliant. Love it. And uh, as we come to the end of our time together, Fabricio, what would be your kind of key takeaway tip for our tech leader, women and men out there in the community?
0: My advice is, uh, well, like, like I'm always touching this point, and I'm being uh, repetitive, but remember that you are dealing with people, right? And those people are the ones that are going to be built, whatever you are leading them to build the solution. A product or a device, you name it. So treat them well. Yes. In a nice environment, and, and I was in startup environments. I was a CEO of a startup. If you are not in a in a nice environment or in a nice culture to develop nice things, uh, it's not going to work. So mm. those big companies, tech companies that became giants like they became in the beginning. They had a nice culture. I don't know right now because they became so they became so big that it's difficult to control. But I talked to a lot of people from the startup environment and startup ecosystem that the culture, the people, they are the most important asset that you have. It's not the money from venture capitalists. Is is well, of course that helps a lot. But if you don't build the company around the people people that you are dealing with uh, daily, it's not gonna be. Uh, uh, you're not gonna be able to build something good.
1: Yes, I totally agree with you. I think uh, people are the biggest asset. So thank you very much, Fabricio. It's been great having you on.
0: Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure.
1: Thank very you. Very nice
0: much. talking to you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do a podcast with uh, smart people and. I hope my message get to the people in general and specialists um, and um, make everybody think about the things that I'm saying. Brilliant, thank you, sir.
1: Well, that was a fascinating podcast by a fascinating tech leader. I love the blend of well thought out leadership and real passion for science and data science and how they can all serve each other. I also like how Fabricio describes himself as an academic in the tech business. I'd love to have that title myself. So the key takeaways from the podcast for me were as follows. The importance of balancing communication, managing how it's exposed, not too much and not too little. Secondly, the emergence of data and its impact on the micro and the mega and how the emergence of new tools are going to speed up the emergence of new insights. I particularly like how data is now becoming easy to collect, handle and process. Thirdly and finally, never forget the importance of seeing businesses as a collection of human beings, the lens through which any successful collective human endeavour starts. So thank you again, Fabricio. I really enjoyed our conversation here in the podcast. May your ongoing journey be as successful and exciting as the one that you've had so far. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture, and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favorite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.